Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Jolie Calloway, who is Vice President, Product Management, Customs Content at Descartes, and Brendan McCahill, who's Senior Vice President, Trade, content, uh, trade Data Content at Descartes also. And today we're going to talk about global trade in the headlines, how to navigate this ever-changing landscape. Now, it seems like you can't go a day without picking up the newspaper and seeing some sort of global trade uh, news in the headlines, you know, whether it's about tariffs, uh, you know, trade agreements, NAFTA, Brexit, and, and the list goes on. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to kind of read those headlines and those stories in the papers. And it's another thing trying to interpret what exactly all this means from a supply chain logistics perspective. Um, you know, why should supply chain logistics and, and professionals care about what's happening in, in this arena? Uh, what, what are the potential impacts? And what action should they take, you know, moving forward in response? Well, those are just some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's uh, great to have Joylee and, and uh, uh, Brendan here on the program to uh, kind of share their insights and perspectives on this topic since they're in the front lines of this day in and day out. So, uh, Joylee and, and Brendan, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Adrian. Nice to be with you. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. Happy to be here. Great. Well, great. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, like I, like I just said, global trade is, is making the headlines, you know, today, you know, day in and day out, especially as it relates to tariffs and the free trade agreements. I mean, from, from your perspective, I mean, what, what are some of the, the biggest developments that have taken place, you know, over the past few months and, or perhaps are still unfolding? Uh, Adrian, I think one of the things that strikes me is simply that the whole idea of uh, international trade has gotten into the mainstream conversation. A lot of this has just been something that people see as a container going down an interstate highway, and it's all a bit anonymous. But now uh, we've, we, uh, we look back, we saw Brexit, and now we see what the repercussions of that are, uh, how they're going to clear cargo uh, at the Irish, and, uh, Irish border, Scottish border, because Northern Ireland doesn't want to leave. Uh, Mrs. May is not moving fast enough. Here in the United States, clearly every day goes by where the president either comments or tweets uh, something and, and, and the farmers are up in arms or aluminum importers are up in arms. These are sort of headlines, but digging down beneath it, the idea that international trade and back to Tom Friedman where the world is flat, it really, the, the truth has come out now. Uh, so I think it's a really important topic and, it, and it's great that, that people are actually learning more and more about it uh, because I, I think it affects all of us in, in, in no, uncertain, uh, no uncertain way. All right, jo Jolie, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's brought all the attention to uh, trade compliance and, and what goods are costing around the globe. I think one of the things that I'm really seeing uh, in our space is, is trying to figure out what's real, what's not real, what's happening, where the true imp impacts are taking place. So like you asked, um, what agreements have taken place recently and, and what's still unfolding. So last year we had uh, CETA get implemented. That's the Canadian European Trade Agreement. So that did move forward, it was ratified, and, and we've implemented the information into a lot of systems. So it's a big, uh, it's an important piece for companies that are moving goods between Europe and, and Canada, but then when you look at what's happening around the rest of the globe, or specifically uh, in the United States, we've got NAFTA, which is in question. Is it going away? Is it being renegotiated? Um, you know, everything that we're hearing in the trade space is that they're working hard to get it renegotiated. We don't know what that is going to ultimately look like, so there, there's still a lot of guessing that's taking place. And TTP, uh, which uh, the Trump administration had 
pulled back on last January, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, he started saying, well, maybe it's back on the table. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a guessing game. Um, there's, it's something that we're keeping a constant eye on every single day. We're watching to see if anything new has come through in the data, you know, what's going to impact costs. Um, and one other area that I think a lot of people don't pay attention to is the MFN rates, the most favored nation rates, and how they're being impacted. So if, if you look at countries such as Germany and France and, and even South Korea that are looking at changing rates for uh, imports of U.S. vehicles, you know, that's, that's in discussion. You know, are the rates going to go down in exchange for something else? Uh, so, so we're constantly monitoring this and... Uh, you know, as, as soon as it uh, gets ratified and implemented, we'll have it out there. Yeah, and no, I mean, I think it, it really kind of illustrates, you know, number one, all, all the uncertainty that there is out there, right? And, and for, for, I think for a lot of supply chain logistics executives and business executives in general, uncertainty equals risk, right? So you, you're trying to, you know, it, it's very hard to figure out what's appropriate actions to take when things are still up in the air or still in a, in a dynamic, you know, fashion. And then secondly, how, you know, really complex and far reaching all of this is, uh, you know, I always tell, uh, you know, my friends and, and, and folks in, the, in, in my family, you know, when they see these headlines and everything else, I said, you know, that, that's supply chain and logistics in action right now. And, you know, we drive our cars, we buy our goods. And, and when you really think about uh, all it takes to, you know, bring those products into the U.S. or export them out to other countries, uh, you know, everything that's involved with that is so, you know, there's so many processes and things that are going on um, that, you know, the fact that it's now in the headlines and being talked about and kind of being exposed to kind of the, the, the general market, if you will, I think it's a good thing. I, I think people will have a deeper appreciation for the role that all of us play in this industry in terms of just the, the, the amount of complexity that, that takes place. Um, so, so, so that leads me to, to kind of the next question. I mean, what, uh, and I think we touched upon it a little bit, you know, uh, about it already. I mean, but in the day, I mean, why should supply chain logistics executives, you know, pay attention to, to these developments? I mean, what, what are the potential impacts here? Well, I think they need to pay attention to them. To follow on something that, that Joe Lee said earlier, we hear, of course, about the NAFTA negotiations. And, NAFTA has been in place now for over 20 years. We have a, a good uh, to and fro with both the North and South border. If NAFTA gets, uh, and it will be reviewed, we have to be very careful because don't forget the Mexicans have recently created a new trade treaty with, with the whole EU. So we have to stay involved. We, we can't be left out of that. And I think these kinds of developments um, for the supply chain professional it creates a, a need for knowledge, what's going on around you, and, and also it can create opportunities um, in terms of global sourcing, uh, multinational companies. Uh, it's, not, it's no longer simply currency risk. Uh, there's the infrastructure, there's the supply chain, uh, there's the ability to understand where, again, as Jolie pointed out, there could be a most favored nation treaty. So the supply chain professionals need to care about this, and and they they need to be um, informed and and not in a passive way. I mean, they they need to reach out and, and try to find information. It's going to not only help them make their job a little bit easier, but it's going to make their company more efficient in this global space. Great, jo Jolie. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, just just a couple additional points uh, that we're seeing out there is again, and I I think some of this comes with 
a little bit, little bit of confusion that's happening with um, all the moving parts that are out there, but really understanding which countries are being impacted, really understanding the facts behind it, which countries are potentially being excluded as uh, anti-dumping rates come into play, uh, additional tariffs that are, that are potentially coming out there. Um, you, you know, what we're seeing out there is a lot of exclusions that are taking place or a lot of delays. Uh, companies also having the ability to file and, and try and get excluded from some of these additional duty rates. So it, it, again, it's a lot to manage. It's a lot to uh, get your arms wrapped around, but really uh, it's important for companies to understand how they are going to directly be impacted so that they understand what their cost basis is. Yeah, the devil's in the detail on that, as Jolie points out, because I think I read that over 7,000 companies here in the United States have already applied to the Department of Commerce for certain exclusions. And to be excluded from, we don't even know what the final, the final game is, but they, they want their name in the queue that if anything should go a little bit awry, they've already registered. I mean, 7,000 I'm sure medium and small businesses, we, we think of large businesses, multinational, General Motors, Boeing, but think of all the small business and how many people are, are employed in that and, and all the component parts that they, they need to be importing because perhaps we don't make it here in the United States. So it's, it's extremely important to, to stay informed on that. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard about that, uh, but but that's a, that's a you know pretty impressive action. So so on the one hand, it sounds like some companies are already ahead of the game in terms of really you know trying to take some mitigating action. You know, but again, I think the funny part is mitigating action against what because not, none of that's still you know f fully defined right. yet. Uh, but but I think when I talk to a lot of you know manufacturers, retailers, uh, just to build on what you just said there before, uh, Julie, in terms of you know trying to put a handle on the cost, right? You know, trying to get an understanding of what you know truly in the cost is going to be or the cost of goods are going to be, um, and that's something that obviously you know depending on whatever gets finalized uh, along all these different fronts, you know that that could impact where companies source from, where they manufacture from, you know how the uh, goods get you know flow through the supply chain, uh, and ultimately you know they may even decide to rearrange their supply chain networks in response to this. So these are all things that are uh, kind of hanging in the balance, if you will, waiting for some of these things to, you know, resolve themselves, but always with the understanding that, you know, uh, they may resolve themselves for some time, but that it's always going to potentially change, you know, you know, down the road. So I, I think that's what makes this uh, both challenging and, and exciting is that it's a, it's a never ending uh, and, and ever changing, you know, uh, you know, landscape here. So, so, so let's talk now about the role of technology uh, and global trade content, uh, you know, and helping companies, you know, respond to, to all these changes. You know, let's start with, you know, first from kind of a definition standpoint, because I think a lot of folks hear, you know, the, the term, you know, global trade content, but they may not necessarily know what it is or what, kind of what the full breadth of it is. So, so that's the first question. I mean, what is, you know, global trade content? What kind of, what kind of information does it include? Well, what we do at uh, Descartes Data Mine is we, we collect, cleanse, and then commercialize trade data. It's based on either Department of Commerce statistics, which is primarily value-driven, or it's bill of lading and, and vessel manifest uh, information. So it's actually volume-related. And it, and it allows people in a very simple online tool to essentially see a catalog of buyers and sellers uh, where the product's coming from, where it's going. You can drill down to a granular level. Is it hazardous, non-hazardous? Is it refrigerated? 
What's the HS code that applies to that? The HS code is important because then that is something that uh, the custom broker needs to understand what, what duty, and there's where customs info comes in. So from our perspective at, at Datamine, it's this kind of, it's almost like an online uh, yellow pages, but it's, it's global trade data. Uh, countries that are shipping to and from the world um, and their trading partners. Uh, we have over 55 nations in our, in our database, and that's not just countries shipping or in, engaged in trade in the United States. It's they're engaged in trade on a global basis. So it's, a, it's an online tool to monitor, to, to become informed, uh, to look at certain trade trends, and it's, it's delivered right to your laptop. So uh, username and password, and you can get in, and, and, you, and you, we collect you know, between 20 and 60 data points uh, from each data source that we have, and they're all filtered. It's, very, it's all point and click, drag and drop, so it's very, very easy to use. So, so it sounds like it kind of provides you kind of, to, to put it in my words and paraphrase a little bit, so it's almost like a business intelligence analytics uh, tool to really get an understanding of how different products down to the HTS, you know, the classification level, you know, how those products get in, how much of that and, and where the, the, the flows are, where the imports and exports are taking place from, you know, the volumes of that and so forth to kind of give, you know, the, everyone that's involved, all the stakeholders are involved in global trade, some insights in terms of how product moves across the supply chain. That's exactly right, Adrian. I mean, it is really a business intelligence tool. And um, if you want high level aggregated information, you can use the tool. If you want to drill down and find very, very specific, uh, maybe you have a, an overseas supplier and you have an exclusive license and you want to guarantee that they're only shipping to you, you're, you're going to drill down on those particular products, and those particular names. So it's, it is absolutely business intelligence at your fingertips um, and, and you know, ready to be used. Now, Julie, I mean, my, my understanding is that, you know, looking at the global trade management software for, for some time that, you know, part of global trade content is also more on the compliance and, and, reg, and, and uh, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the regulatory yeah, side. The, of it, right? Yeah, the regulatory side, the day-to-day -day transactions. So while DataMind does the analytics part of the content on, we have two content arms within the Descartes solution. So one would be um, what was from Customs Info and the other one denied party screening from MK. Um, but really those two parts of the business are very similar in the way that we grab government information from around the globe. So we, we take all the tariff codes, duty rates, tax, uh, sanctions, any type of regulatory information, consolidate it and digitize it so that it can be used within a lot of different types of solutions. Um, but really the, the point of it is to enable importers and exporters to understand how to move goods across borders. You know, what do they need to understand? What do they need? What steps in the process do they need to take um, so that their goods don't get stopped at a border and uh, they don't get in trouble by any kind of government? Now, how often, I mean, I know this, this must change, you know, all the time. I mean, it's how often does this change and, and how do you keep that information updated? Well, from our side, um, our, our largest database is the U.S. import and export. The imports we update actually every single day. Uh, as soon as the product is entered into commerce in the United States, so the vessel lands, the bills of lading are, are, are cleared, um, we get that directly from U.S. Customs and Border Protection. 
Um, we, we acquire it uh, somewhere between 11 and 12 o'clock in the morning. We've got it processed and posted to our system by about five o'clock that night. The exports is about a week old uh, because it's not quite as automated actually from customs, not, not on our side. And the other countries that we have, really it, it, it depends on the country itself. Uh, are we getting an FTP? Do we have to scrape a website? How frequently they're updated? But generally we're talking weeks uh, of information or a week of a lag time. We're not, we're not talking months. So it's, it's quite timely data when you, when you stop and, and consider um, where it's available, how fast it's available, and, and what you can do with it. And you know, you can fuse data sets, you can look at uh, a series of exporters from a certain country, match them up with importers, so you can bring the data set together to make it even more powerful. Very timely, uh, and we process just as fast as we can in order that we can push it out to our customers. Great, now, now what about on things like you know, duties and taxes and restricted party lists and things like that? How often, is that you know, how often does that change and how does that get updated? Right. So, so every data set is a little bit different depending on what government agency is producing the information. Um, but for sanctioned party data or denied party data, we're publishing that every single day. Um, some lists may update two or two to five times a week. Some lists publish every single day. So we're, that's critical information that companies absolutely have to have on a timely basis. So that's, that's pushed every day. Uh, when you're talking, is that, about, pushed, is that pushed electronically, or is that something that is it, it, more yeah. paper-based that you have to then enter yourself? How, how does that work? I'm assuming well, it probably varies <laughs> across different countries too. It, it does, it does, and different different agencies may publish on paper, on PDFs. Uh, we may be receiving it electronically. You know, we also monitor the Federal Register, so sometimes we want a heads up before uh, anything officially gets published, so that we can get information out to organizations as fast as we can. So it's a variety of processes. Uh, but then when you look at tariff codes and, and duty rates, uh, you have, just like Brendan said, you have some countries that publish very frequently and they, they tend to change things around more frequently. Um, so for the EU, we publish uh, a couple times a month. For the U.S., it may be once a quarter, just depending on what's happening. Right now, we're publishing a little bit more frequently <laughs> because of everything that's taking place. Uh, but then you have, we're monitoring over 175 countries. So you may have a country that really isn't in the major uh, trading lanes around the globe. And so they may publish their tariff schedule a couple times a year. Um, so it, it definitely varies in, in rules and regulations are, are pretty much on the same process. We, we have to watch everything daily. Right. Yeah. And no, I mean, I think, you know, from my understanding and, and talking to folks like yourselves and, and others that are in this industry, I mean, it is a, you know, um, you know, quite a, quite a task, right. To stay on top of all this data and keep making sure that it's up to date and, and as real time as possible, because it does have, you know, implications, right. So if something gets updated today and you're, you know, shipping out product or doing something, you know, tomorrow and that you're working off of old data, you know, there could be some you know, negative implications there by not having the most up-to-date, you know, information. Uh, so, so let's talk a little bit about now, you know, so you've got all the data, this information is straight content. I mean, how does that actually, you know, get put to use? You know, how, how do companies use this data? I mean, what type of applications or, or processes leverage trade, you know, global trade content? Well, from the, the information side in terms of the, the shippers, the receivers, who's shipping what to whom and from where. I think we, we look at that in terms of different, um, different market segments or different applications. 
for example, large carriers, global carriers, uh, or even non-vessel operating common carriers use the data to assess their market share. Uh, they might be looking at the port pairs and use the data to assess a yield management. Uh, they could bring it internally uh, in a proprietary data set in, in their own. They could, they could link it up with other information. They can do a service contract reconciliations, things like that. Um, we actually have some government agencies that, that buy our data uh, because of the way that we, we've cleansed it and, and commercialized it. it. It fits for them. They could be uh, some enforcement areas uh, where, where the data is you know, very good because it's, it's easy to use, can be uh, downloaded, can be filtered. Um, large manufacturers uh, use the data simply to look at supply chain. Uh, I'm bringing in a product from country A, uh, I get a competitive view. Uh, one of my com competitors is bringing the same product from company B, uh, a country B. I, I wonder why that is. Is there, is there a duty issue here? Well, then I, I turn to CI and I, I look at that. Uh, so I think it, it clearly depends on the market vertical, uh, but the truth is the, the application uh, for this, even counterfeiting, counterfeit goods, uh, you know, on the bills of lading, there's there's a shipper, the receiver, the notify party. If, if, if you're a known receiver and you have an office in, I don't know, Cincinnati, and you notice the notify party is suddenly in Patterson, New Jersey, oh, could there be some counterfeiting? So there, there's a lot that, that, that you, need to, you need to understand the data and you need to use the data. Um, the good thing is, as you pointed out earlier, that the data is very dynamic, it changes. But luckily, from, from our side as, as providers to the trade, um, our staff members have not changed so dynamically. We have very long-tenured staff members who understand exactly what they're looking at and, and the importance of, of getting it right, right? Collect it once, collect it right, and then parse it into these different applications. So there's, there really is a, a, it, there's a, a, a broad field of applications where the data fits and, and, and brings value. As you said earlier, it's a business intelligence tool. Okay, Jolie, your thoughts on, in perspective on, on how this data companies use this global trade counting data? Yeah, I, I would say that anybody that's moving goods across borders is, is the type of company that is integrating this type of data. So that that may be a large manufacturer that's using a, a Descartes solution uh, to monitor the compliance of an item. It may be a, a large company that's using an ERP system such as an SAP GTS or Oracle GTM or Livingston, or and then we have a lot of mid-tier clients that have built their own proprietary trade management systems, and they just need data feeds going in and out of these. So I, I would just say that anybody that's moving goods across border, uh, across borders, is is typically using some type of solution, um, whether it be an API simple solution or a more complex compliance solution. Um, and probably one of the, the hottest areas out there is in the e-commerce space and the duty and tax data and sanction party data being loaded directly into the shopping carts. You know, who's buying the goods and, and showing them what the duty and tax rates are so that goods don't get returned. Um, once they land in another country and somebody refuses it, it's really hard, to, hard and expensive to get those products back. No, I, I, absolutely. I, and I know that, you know, um you know, cross-border e-commerce is one of the fastest growing, you know, segments of, of the industry. And, yeah. and historically, one of the, you know, limiting factors in that growth was the fact mm -hmm. that, uh, to your point, sometimes people order something even from, 
you know, the U some, somebody in the U.S. ordering something from Canada, then they would show up and says, oh, you, you owe another $30 in, <laughs> you know, uh, in duties and taxes. And, to, you know, say, no, I'm not going to pay for that, right? And it, it gets sent back, right? So being able to have, understand the true landed costs at the, at the point of sale, right, and within the e-commerce websites, uh, and, and needing to integrate this type of data and information as part of that, I think, is one of the big uh, growth areas, as well as, you know, what you talked about. I mean, a lot of the global trade management solutions, when, I, when I've written about global trade management, you know, I say it's beyond software, right? There's the software aspect of it that helps you automate and, and, and streamline the process. But what's powering those processes is the, you know, trade content data that you need to have, right, to make those, you know, solutions, you know, useful. Right. And one other thought that goes goes with that is a lot of companies are using the, the data and information just to analyze their supply chain. Uh, where are they taking advantage of trade agreements? Where are they missing it? Um, if they're, they're leaving a lot of money on the table, is it worth them doing all the filings? Um, so the information is really key for them to, to make or break some of their profit levels. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I see that as well, particularly with, you know, supply chain network design, you know, engagements where people are trying to figure out, you know, where should we source from, should we source from different countries differently or build, where should we put a manufacturing site? You know, ultimately you need to bring this data in there to, to, to have a, you know, as, as informed uh, an analysis as, as possible. So, so I guess that you know, kind of leads us to the, the kind of next question. I mean, ultimately we, I mean, what's the business value of these solutions? I mean, how, how do I, if I'm talking to the CEO, the CFO of my company, how, how do I make the case for these types of solutions? Well, I think from the from from the data side, you, the value of this in in the C suite is is very apparent. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, we are dealing on a day to day basis with a, a logistics manager or vice president of distribution, uh, and he's got to be informed and make these recommendations. Be informed about the things that you just talked about, Adrian. Well, what what nation should I be looking at in order to to buy more of this more of this uh, content or what nation should seems to to need our products. Where where can I export? How much is it going to cost me to export there? And and these kinds of tactical um, decisions or the, the the information gathering to weigh those tactical decisions needs to be done. I believe by people that are using our data and can can collate that and then can push that up into the C-suite for the CFO or the CEO to, to, to chart that right strategy so that the company is, particularly as a multinational, the company is completely informed and plugged into what's going on on a, on a global basis. Um, so the, the value proposition, I think, to the CFO and the CEO is, A, it's good, valuable information that's giving me an insight that I wouldn't necessarily have. It's at the fingertips of the people to whom I've delegated these responsibilities, my supply chain experts, my warehouse people. B, if I had to go out and gather this by myself, it would take how many extra people and how long? And C, here I'm looking at it every day. I'm looking at today, yesterday's information about imports to the United States. So how am I going to replicate that? Not without a lot of expense here in my company. The subscription to, to this kind of content, I think, is, is very easily... Uh, justified, to be honest with you, because I, I really believe that um, it, it keeps people informed. And uh, I mean, right now, it, <laughs> we have more information in the palm of our hand with our cell phones, I think, than they had on Apollo spaceships. Um, so th that's that's the the environment that we live in, right? I mean, big right. data, uh, big data has got to be available, but it, it has to be 
it has to be available not only quickly, but it's got to be actionable and, and, and it's got to, it's got to, ha- it's got to prove its worth. And, and I really think that the trade data proves its worth. Great. Great point. Jolie, anything to add to that? Um, just, just a couple things. I, I think one thing that comes to mind is I've heard for years from trade compliance people that they never get the attention from uh, the corporate execs on, on how important their, their piece of the puzzle is in, in making sure that they stay in compliance. And, and I will tell you that, I mean, all the attention's on them now. So I, I think that really people are starting to understand how important it is to understand the costs um, and understanding the impact of the supply chain. But also, you know, outside of what everything that what Brendan just said, uh, which is extremely important on the, the pricing side of things, but really uh, the compliance professionals and, and the information that's at everybody's fingertips can help them stay out of trouble. And we've just seen this happen repeat over and over and over again over the course of the last few years. Uh, you don't really want your organization to be on the front page of a newspaper. And, and you don't want to see these big fines if, you, if you're missing an export control or you've shipped goods to the wrong entity or the wrong person. Um, it's just very, very important for them to stay on top of it. And, and you know, I, I know that a lot of CEOs used to see the compliance space as being a cost center. Um, but really, if, if they can speed up the processes, which they can do with data at this point in time, really the costs can be eliminated. And like I said, can keep them out of trouble. Yeah, no, I think you're, yeah go ahead. Mitigation is, is extremely important. Uh, the point Jolie makes can't be... It can't be overstated, uh, that knowledge and, and the risk mitigation to these companies because the fines, as she said, are they're very, very punitive. So, Yeah, and no, I think it's a combination. And I think both points are, are, are excellent because I, I really think it's a combination of both, right? It, it's risk mitigation, risk avoidance, right? So, you know, the, nobody wants to see, as you said, generally, their name in the Wall Street Journal because of, you know, they, they shipped uh, – you know, goods to, you know, an entity on a, you know, sanctioned list or something like that. Um, but, but I think the other point is equally as important is that it's not just about avoiding risk. There's also opportunities here to how do you drive increased sales? How do you drive, uh, you know, market share profitability, right? That there's a lot in terms of helping out with the top line of, 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 of companies, which is what a lot of the CEOs and CFOs are looking for is how can we continue to drive growth, um, you know, increase market share and so forth. And I think when you, if you're able to make that connection between these types of solutions and the ability to do that effectively while being in compliance with all the applicable laws and regulations, I think that's the, uh, that's the trifecta, you know, that's, that's the, uh, the ultimate goal here. Um, you know, we're running a little bit short on time here, so I'm just going to go right, right to my last question. I mean, you know, what action should, you know, then companies take uh, in the weeks and months ahead? I mean, obviously, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns and all this is still, you know, uh, you know, changing. I mean, but what action should companies take, you know, moving forward to, you know, navigate successfully through this, you know, ever-changing global trade landscape? Well, I think one thing um, from our perspective in terms of the volume is um, having a tool on your desktop that lets you see your key products uh, in terms of either quarter-on-quarter or a year-on-year review. is something slipping is is the, the trade that you're involved in it's it's growing it's shrinking if it's if it's growing is, is it growing because of demand is it shrinking because of some government intervention or some government regulation um so i think there's there's that analytic that, that's 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 very important I, I think simply the fact that you 
you, you need this information. Uh, it's not really available in a library uh, because uh, it, it's a compilation of so many, it's a catalog. It's, uh, so I think you know, customers really, really need this. And, and I hope that anybody who's, who's subscribing or watching this, uh, Adrian, would, would, would consider that because as you said earlier, it's the opportunities, it's the risk mitigation. It's, it's actually, it's just the, the importance of international trade to all of our, all of our economies. And as, uh, as a business leader, you, you, it's your obligation to stay informed. Uh, and, you know, using these, these tools that we can provide will help you gather that information that you, that you really need. That's, that's what I think is important. Great. Jo Jolie, anything to add to that? No, I think Brendan wrapped it up perfectly. I, I think it's all about visibility. Get, get whatever tool and insight that you can to make sure that your teams have what they need for the companies to be successful, whether that be in you know, saving money, reviewing trade agreements, uh, or you know, understanding the supply chain, understanding where you can source products. If something does happen in one country and you need to source it from somewhere else, get that visibility so that you know where you can get your goods and, and uh, you know, every spectrum of global trade you need to really truly understand. Great. Great. Yeah. I, you know, it ultimately boils down to, you know, having the ability to make smarter decisions faster. I mean, that's what you constantly yeah. hear over the past few years with regards to your business intelligence analytics uh, and just, you know, everything involving supply chain logistics now is really, you know, under that umbrella in terms of, you know, the more, timely, accurate, complete information you have and insights that you have, the, the better you're going to be to make, you know, smarter, more informed decisions. And, and ultimately, if you're able to make those decisions uh, and the right decisions faster than your competition, that's what's going to, you know, help you to move, a, move ahead. Well, uh, you know, like I always say, you know, at the end of our, all our programs, we always just manage just to scratch the surface on, on these topics. But especially a topic like global trade, you know, which, you know, we could probably spend two days and have a, a conference, a full conference on on everything that's happening right now, but but I think you uh, you know we managed to hit some of the the key trends that are you know happening in the industry today and provide some great insights and advice in terms of how to you know move forward. So uh, you know, uh, Brendan Jolie, thank you both for for making the time to be with us today. Thank you also, Adrian. Very much appreciate the opportunity to share some of these thoughts with you and your audience. Yeah, thank you very much. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand at the Descartes website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question for Brendan Adorley, and you, uh, you, know, you can post it there, and I'm sure that you can, they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. So again, thank you all for watching, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.